0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of CRS Podcast. Uh, my name is Shane Van Laar. I'm joined today by Noah Adra. Hello, everyone. Yeah. So in this episode, uh, Noah got to speak to David Parnum of Cafe Culture and Eric Baden of Coffee Commune. Yeah. So well, the
1: podcast is about um, Yunnan coffee. I think there was a lot of conversation happening in Mapa Forward about what's next, uh, you know, the rise of China and they're doing... Uh, their own coffee, they're farming their own. So I thought I'd take this opportunity and get Eric from Coffee Commune to talk a little bit more about what they're doing in China, especially specifically in Yunnan region. And I was really fascinated that they've been doing it for 125 years, I had no idea. Uh, there was a lot of information on the, co- on, on the processing over there, what they're trying to achieve, the number of farmers, um, the history, a bit more of the Yunnan. Um, coffee and their next uh, practices and the direction the coffee commune is trying to bring the Yunnan coffee from the Chinese culture all the way out to the world. Um, I think there was a lot of information in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Eric Barton has like a very unique position uh, within the Chinese community. Been living over there for, I believe, 20? something around 20 years. And yeah, he
1: speaks Chinese as well. His wife is Chinese. So... For him to understand and to gain the trust of the Chinese farmers was uh, very, very important uh, because of the culture, the way in China they work, they work; they have to build a very strong friendship and very strong relationship before they do any kind of business deal or trust, especially from a, from a regional uh, point of view, comparing to big cities. So uh, there was a lot of information. We will leave you enjoying um, the podcast. Um, and, um, yeah, if you have any other question, you can always uh, direct message us or send us an email. Thank yep. you, Shane. Enjoy, guys. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy the podcast. Cheers. Hi, and welcome, everybody, to CRS Coffee Podcast. Today, it happened by a coincidence yesterday. Um, David from Coffee Culture just came up and brought Eric with him from uh, Coffee Commune. From the Yunnan province in China, and uh, I thought to myself, it will be a great opportunity while he's here until Saturday, to have him on a podcast and talk a little bit more about Yunnan coffee. Eric, welcome, welcome Hi, Noah. to Sydney.
0: Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for giving us this opportunity to share a little bit about yeah. the amazing coffees and what's happening uh, in Yunnan.
2: Yeah, yeah, David, welcome. Thank you, Noah. It's uh, always good to come back to CRS and see the developments and what's happening here but yeah cafe uh, culture is really excited about what's happening in sydney and what particularly what's happening within um overseas with the international trade and certainly people like eric coming to through ch- tr- from china to australia yeah, well, is a good opportunity to learn
1: great and i believe the golden bean award is just around the corner as yes. well so when, when is it is it this t-
2: starts tomorrow actually we tomorrow. we yeah wow. we, we start doing that and um we have Uh, Four days of um, cupping and and judging, and then we have a a huge awards night on the Saturday. Nice. But Eric's really interested in the green bean zone, which we have every year, so on the Saturday morning. I was very
1: impressed with the coffee he brought in yesterday. Eric, now please tell us a bit more about you. Uh, I think not many people in Australia do know that Coffee Commune exists, or you know that Yunnan coffee is, is on the rise and the importance of you know, investing in different origin these days. So I'll, I'll leave the microphone for you now to tell us a bit more about what you guys do. Wow, that's amazing. What an
0: opportunity. Okay. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm German. Um, I'm 52 years old. I've been in Asia for 26 years, so half my life. And most of that time I spent in China. Yeah. Um, I've not always been in coffee. It's um, coming on a decade now that wow. I'm in coffee. Um, and I got into coffee because of a charity that I'm involved in in Shanghai. We pick up homeless, handicapped people from the streets and um, rehabilitate them so that they can live an edified and and self, self-sustained self life, holding down a job and having a, and having a home again. Wow, um, and through that work, uh, I learned two things. One, this charity needs funding, and I was looking for ways how they can become more self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the people there, um, their stories are that they were migrant workers, originally farmers somewhere couldn't make enough money on their farms to sustain their families. Yeah. Went to the big city, work construction, had an accident, got kicked out on the street when they were no longer useful. Yeah. And so um, thinking and praying about that, I realized coffee might be an opportunity. Ten years ago, China, coffee started to begin taking, taking off. Yeah, um, thanks yeah. to the big guys of Starbucks. Really yeah, mostly. Yeah. They did um, a big investment. over there. They did a big investment there. Sure. And so, um, so I learned to roast and then I taught them how to roast. Uh, and oh. then the whole thing became more dynamic learning to roast. I went to a school in Yunnan, actually a coffee school in Yunnan, um, at the time called greenhouse coffee. Today, they're friends of mine Um, and one of the founders, a Chinese uh, man, very passionate about coffee farming, actually joined me now in coffee Commune. And so uh, he took me out to the farms to see where the coffee is from and what's happening there. And there I came full circle because the situation on the Yunnan coffee farms is just a situation that led to these walks of life that we were trying to salvage in, in Shanghai. So you have in Yunnan, you have um, about 300,000 coffee farming families. It's a mind boggling number. That's a lot. 300,000 coffee farming families. And most of these families really uh, work one very small plot of land, about three acres, just okay. three acres of land on average. Yep. Um, and from that, the families, three generations typically needs to make a living. And with the direction of coffee prices over the last few years, know, always yeah. pointing one direction, and that is south. Yeah. Um, it's getting year after year, it's getting harder and harder for these families to make ends meet um, to a point now where they cannot always send the kids to school all year round because the schools are too far. So they need to board okay. and boarding costs money. And yeah. quite often they don't have that money all year round. And when they can't pay the fees, the school send the kids back home to the farm. And wow. so that's how they get trapped in a vicious poverty cycle because they never get to a, never, a higher level of education where they can actually begin to understand their finances more, save more, expand, invest in all these things. It's and just, how, how long they've been farming in China? Uh, that's a very nice question. Interesting question. China, Yunnan. I prefer to say Yunnan because Yunnan China is, is such a huge nice country and there are so many connotations that I we agree. have in different parts yeah. of the world about China,
2: yeah.
0: but we're talking about one province, yeah. Yunnan. Ninety six percent of all the coffee in China comes from there. The rest comes from an island called Hainan. They grow Robusta. So Yunnan is all Arabica. Okay. And it started 126 years ago when um, a French missionary uh, brought wow. coffee beans okay. to Yunnan. I had no idea. And planted them in his home. yard. Yeah. yeah 126 <laughs> years. Only, though, because when you look at the farming culture, the farming history in Africa, obviously, where coffee originated. When you look at even Central America, it's, it's so much longer. And honestly, you see that, you feel that when you work there. These families have been doing it for a couple of generations. But it's still... Um, very pliable in that regard. We go there with agronomists, with people who've collectively earned a lot of experience around the world in Africa, in, in, in the Americas, um, and, and bring that to the farmers, teaching them what in other parts of the world is already considered common knowledge, Yeah. in terms of even how to organize your farm. What's the distance between the trees? Um, how to make sure that your seedlings don't have a crooked root, which will then impact yield and and how, how to determine what fertilizers you need, how much fertilizer you need, how often you bring in that fertilizer and what time you bring in that fertilizer. All these things is what we do day to day and you're you're an agronomist I'm not an agronomist Uh, myself I'm I'm a business person (laughs) Uh, I came to China as a chemical executive believe it or not I worked for very large chemical companies running their businesses in Asia Um, but as I said about 10 years ago I I went out of that through that experience I had with that charity and in the end said, okay, I need to put my money where my mouth is. So I left my other career and poured my money into building Coffee Commune, making the investments that were needed into equipment and now um, building this as a viable enterprise for the purpose of making Yunnan coffee better. We call it great coffee with a purpose. So we want to make sure that Yunnan becomes known as an origin as an origin that you can really do single origin coffees, SOEs, or filters um, that have their own character that people will actually want to ask for when they go to a cafe or when they go to their favorite roaster um, so that they can achieve pricing that is adequate for that sort of coffee so that the farmers can break out of their poverty cycle. So. And they can continue pretty much. And they like can continue to
1: do that. Yes. Of farming coffee in, in the Yunnan. Mm-hmm. May I ask why Yunnan? What's so special about Yunnan?
0: Well, I guess at, the, at this point, not so much is so special about Yunnan. And that's yeah. one thing that intrigued me. But the simple true answer to this is I happened to be in China. Okay. Somehow that's the place yeah. I'm called to do something. Yeah. Um, I understand China pretty well, having lived half my life almost there. My wife is from Taipei. Um, Our daughter is born in Shanghai. She's now 12 years old. So this is a natural environment for us. Um, I speak the language. Uh, And so seeing that there is a need there, um, it came naturally to me to say, "No, I don't need to look further afar where I can do something with what I have the resources and the experience and the knowledge to make a change, to to transform a community for the better. I can do it right here. Yeah. And so I stayed and did it there. Do we will, do we have to continue to be confined to just one origin? I don't think so, but will we move next year to Africa or another farming community? I also don't think so because there's a lot of work still to be done in Europe.
1: Yeah, I think so. But what what make Yunnan from a geographical point of view? What make it a special
0: province? Yeah. For people who
1: doesn't know. Right. So anything about Yunnan? Yunnan
0: is in the far west a little to the south. Okay. So southwest western area of China. It borders Myanmar, Laos, or Laos and Vietnam okay all right so it's on the equator pretty much. Yeah. yeah so well it's it's actually on the far north end of what is currently considered the coffee belt. yeah the keyword being currently with yeah. climate change things yeah. are moving <laughs> things are shifting what next year and and so <laughs> it's it's um Coffee is grown on elevations between eight hundred meters and eighteen hundred meters uh, oh, that's in Yunnan, and that far north that we are in that window, so we're just about at the tenth um, parallel. Parallel? Uh, no. yeah, whatever you know, tenth degree latitude. Um, there, um, this 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 height, if we are above a thousand meters, is actually you need to consider that high elevation coffee because you're so far north. Yeah. So in terms of the temperature profiles, in terms of, um, the sunlight and everything, um, everything put into the equation, that's what's generally considered to be a high elevation coffee, which makes it really interesting. Very and attractive. The temperature there. Yeah. So we have, um, what coffee likes, right? So we, up to 1600 meters, it's very, very rare that you ever get frost.
1: Okay. Um, the
0: 1800 meter elevations sometimes do get frost damage. Um, and then, um, the warmest we normally get there is in the mid twenties degrees centigrade because we're nicely far up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. Funny. It's a beautiful country. It's it's mountainous, so it's not easy to farm there. It's not flat yeah. fields. It's very steep fields. Actually, yeah. uh, we so, need a four wheel drive to get to these little farming communities that so ev- everything with. is handpicked. There's no mechanical, nothing at all. It's everything hand um, which is in part, one of the problems that Yunnan is facing because um, it's very labor intensive. It's not mechanized, which means on a cost curve. Yeah, we're pretty expensive compared to neighboring Vietnam. Yeah. Because in terms of the labor cost, these rural communities obviously are relatively or very low paid, but um, In Vietnam, they have the combination of both. In Vietnam, you have very low paid laborers plus the mechanization um, benefit. So, Yunnan coffees struggle with the cost base. So that's why we at Coffee Commune decided um, we need to help make a change in these communities away from volume coffee, because Yunnan already is the 13th largest origin in the whole world. It's at par with Mexico at the moment. It's really? about twice Kenya in terms of output. Wow. But nobody knows about that, or no, very few no. people know well, about that. That's why you're here today, Eric,
1: is to tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> that so, the
1: idea. Okay, so they're the 13th. So, how much do they produce? How many bags per year?
0: Oh, my goodness. Um, it's 150,000 tons. Let me quickly compute that. That's a lot. 60 kilos, <laughs> yeah. 100,
1: right. 130, that's a 20 ton. 150,000. 20 ton 000. per container. I think that will give you a bit of a, an estimation.
0: Divided by 1,000 times
2: 60.
0: Uh, that's 9
1: million bags. Oof, That's uh, nice.
2: 60, 60 kg bags.
1: That's yeah. intense. Wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. And tell me a little bit, how many people, how many farmers are part of your coffee commune? How many people right. have you reached out? So right. Far?
0: So um, as a commune, we are leaving the farmers independent. That's very important to us so that they don't become dependent on us. As soon as they have fully absorbed what they need to know to make these coffees um, of the standards that we are aspire to, they become like trainers for the next concentric circle. So we put up wet mills in the center of a community and then the farms that are directly bordering it would work with us. So that could in some cases be two farms, in some cases be five farms. At the moment, we work directly with approximately 20 farms. Why I say approximately is because it keeps changing even during the season. These farmers have been, um, (laughs) have been, how how do I say this politely? (laughs) Cheated. In the end, in in the end, it comes down to to cheated by 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 large corporations um, for for many, many years, for decades. Um, And I'm a foreigner. So they are when they first work with us, there is a high level of suspicion, a high level of insecurity. Are they really going to do what they say they're going to do? And the fact of the matter is um, it takes us time To to build the relationships with the farmers but also with the markets. Yeah, it's not like everybody in the world is saying, wow, I've been waiting for Yunnan to come out. Yeah, yeah. Yunnan, really? (laughs) Do they grow coffee? I thought they do tea. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, tea tea is amazing. Tea is amazing. Tea 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 is 3000 years of tradition. Yeah. And coffee is relatively new. And so um, our biggest challenge in this whole exercise, in this whole project, is to find sufficient customers abroad that are roasters that are uh, willing to try out the coffees and continue to buy these coffees.
1: I which, think you brought some with you anyway. So to yeah, I did, I,
0: I did bring some SOEs that we roasted um, yeah. and I brought some filter that we roasted and I also brought some green for the golden beans so that whoever is there okay. uh, could come drop by we'll have a chat and yeah, I, I have course. some samples to distribute
1: yeah and and david just question for you because you live in china right now yeah you, we live six months of the year in china. Coffee culture uh, magazine over there and you yes. look after it. how do you see the Yunnan coffee uh in china does the, the, the chinese people or the coffee community drinkers in China accept the
2: United Coffee? Yeah, we, we do research um, on on the roasters within China. We do the same in Australia. Um, it's quite new to understand the data from the local Chinese roasters because it's new to them. But from the 800 or so commercial roasters and shop roasters that we had the data for this year, 33 to 34% of all the cafes within China have some form of Yunnan coffee, either as SOE for their uh, single origins or yeah. they use it for blending, their espresso or milk based. The market there is a little bit more um, dark coffee or um, not milk based, although Starbucks and some of the chains do a lot more uh, milk based, like Australia. But in China, um, it's a tea drinking nation, so they're used to not having milk added to, not like the Western people, you know, the English people add milk to tea. They, most chinese would never do that
1: yeah would, is, it, is it quite accepted like hey this is a yunnan natural coffee from this farm would they realize? not so much that fourth wave Ethiopian uh, or, i don't you know?
2: think the fourth wave is there um in that back to farm level but definitely there is some passion from the local chinese people that this is our coffee it comes from china yeah and good or bad uh, depending on where they're sourcing from um it's a it's a pride a national pride for them
1: yeah and it's it's Eric, just question for you here: Is this, is this could be part of your job as well to to work on localization first? Like before you start looking into an international uh, customer, I mean, obviously the locals are a bit like yeah, I understand the nationalism behind it, but what what would you say yourself? Would you rather go and say let's focus on what we have and make it accessible to the market because the market in China is quite big. Right. And um, they're all crazy right now. All they buy is Cup of Excellent, Geisha, Best of Panama. We got Yunnan coffee. Right. Um,
0: it's a very good question. And the way we the way I see it is this. Um, we, we do operate cafes, two cafes in Shanghai. Shanghai is kind of like the coffee maker of, of China. Yeah. That's where every trend starts first and then it rolls out to the other cities, uh, first tier cities and then second tier and third tier cities. Uh, whereas the producing Mecca is, is poor. This way we have our, our operations with the farms and the mills and the roastery. Um, but, um, because we have the cafes, we, we have a pretty good view about what does the Chinese consumer look for? And that's why we really have the cafes actually so that they, that we can see what they do, what they appreciate. And it's very similar to what happened like a good decade ago with wine Uh, so when they first got a taste for red wines it had to be Bordeaux whatever it was it had to be Bordeaux because they knew Bordeaux is French French is where wine comes from and and it's the most expensive so it must be good yeah and now 10 years further there is a very well-developed culture for for wines and people are very capable of distinguishing and, and demanding what kind of a profile they want. Mm. And with coffee, we're still at the beginning of that curve right now. So with coffee, it is people come into the cafe, they look at the menu and they say, all right, I want, uh, Americano. That's the first thing because that's the cheapest on the menu. But then when they get more discerning, they go like, okay, um, I want a pour over filter. Um, I want, do you have Panama geisha? Yeah. Oh, you don't, um, do you have Mm Hefe? right? So this, this is what comes down. And Yunnan is not anything they normally ask for because it's local and they don't think their own products could be as good as the imported ones. Um, So what we do in the cafes is we do a little bit of an educational element there is we have, um, We have the Yunans as our standard espressos, but we don't call them Yunans, right? We just have our espresso and then people try the lattes, the cappuccinos or the flat whites and they go like, hmm, this is good. What coffee are you using? And we're going like, it's Yunnan. it's what? (laughs) And then we have an opener and then we can also go and say, well, would you like to try it as a filter? Yeah. And then they realize, oh, wow, this is actually very similar to Honduras. Or this is really similar to. Well, I uh, smelled the natural yesterday. Right, I, you did, I right? I yeah. like the Costa Rican. Naturals. Right. So you could even get to comparing it with a Costa Rican, particularly yeah. for the naturals. Wow. So that way we get there. But honestly, I believe it's going to take a couple of years mm-hmm. until China develops into a decent volume for its own single origins. Now, China is already consuming a lot of its own coffee. Um, But as David said earlier, in blends, and then it's again about price. Yes. And that's what we're trying to break through. We're trying for the benefit of the farmers. We're trying to establish a segment for Yunnan single origin that that can fetch a decent price on the market. Uh, and And that's why we need to go outside China first. To bring the name up, a little to bring bit. the name yeah. up. And then the Chinese consumers will say, oh, in Australia, they're drinking our <laughs> coffee. It must be good because they know yeah. the Australians know their coffee. Yeah, like unfortunately, it. you don't have to go around.
1: It can't <laughs> be straightforward sometimes. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited to try it. Um, and tell me about the processing, because it seems like they started with three different processing from from like nowadays they do wash, honey. And naturals and naturals.
0: Well, the history is short, as I said, only just above 100 years. It really took off in the 1980s. In the 1980s, tea was uh, in a slump. Tea pricing was in a slump. So the government then encouraged farmers to switch to coffee. Ah. And at that time, Nestlé from Switzerland came in big time and helping with that transformation. Which is why they introduced um, farming practices and varietals that were good for Nestlé at that time. And Nestlé yeah. at that time meant instant coffees. Yes, of course. And they needed big, high yield, low price. Uh, third wave hadn't started in the 1980s yet. Specialty coffees was just beginning. Yeah. So we are looking at more than 90% of Catimore. And that is why we are now working with our farmers on all these different processes. Traditionally, it's literally washed, all washed. Mm-hmm. Traditionally is washed and it's pulped with machines that are not made for coffee. What so are they made for? they're made for rice or for, for wheat. Really? No, oh,
1: cool. That's why you get all these. And so you get a
0: lot of damage. You get a lot of damage American. to Yunnans normally because yeah, they right. don't have the adequate equipment. Yeah, so one of the first things we did was we brought in an Eco Super from Pinalense, oh, funny, from yeah. Brazil, so that we get no damage, that we get proper sorting right away um, and we conserve water. Were right. they amazed
1: by it? Hmm? Were they amazed by
0: it? Yeah, a- were they actually, it's a, it's a good <laughs> question. The first thing was, this machine doesn't work yeah. and we said, well, it's the best machine there is, so it will definitely do its job and they said, no, no, it doesn't work. So we realized. They were doing what they used to do. They were still flushing the beans, the cherries, into the pulper by water. So they have the siphon to float Uh and then they drain the siphon with the cherries. And the cherries rush with the water directly into Into the pulper, pulper, which works with these rice things because it just (laughs) rushes through. But the Eco Super is made to work without water. So the whole machine was filled up with water and of course, then it didn't oh, produce it the damaged. results it was supposed to. <laughs> so we had to educate them that they first have to have that sieve where yeah. the water drops out and the cherries go into the pulper without. Um, so that was like a little tangent right now. Yeah, so yeah, originally it's... they come from washed and then they, the beans the got damaged a lot and still are. I mean the, the vast majority of coffee still produced that way. Lots of bean damage. And then it gets dried on drying patios rather than raised beds mm-hmm. traditionally. And the patios tend to be in bad shape. They were done very quickly and cheaply, so they have a lot of cracks. There is no fences around them. So you, that's where you get the sometimes proverbial phenolic uh, for Yunnan, for Yunnan for okay. commercial grades. Yeah. Um, the biggest issues with Yunnan coffees are inconsistency in their quality, and off flavors like earthy, herby, medicinal, and, and, and phenolic. Yeah, wow. And this all can be traced back to poor processing practices and poor picking practices. Mm-hmm. Too, too many unripe and overripe cherries in the mix, then pulping with damage, and then drying it on an inadequate floor where the chickens and the pigs and the dogs and the cats keep running over it and doing whatever they do. Wow. Uh, that's where you get your off flavors from. So we went in immediately and said, All right, the farms that work with us, we have a mm-hmm. protocol of 17 distinct steps that have to be followed. And it starts with the picking. So they have, like, I have my two Lama Soko um, bracelets here. So they have one, I should have brought ours, a, um, a dark red and a lighter red bracelet on each of their wrists. Yeah. And as they pick, they see how dark can I go, how bright can I go. That gives us the right mix of cherries to start with. We still float those to be sure because sometimes a nicely red cherry can still be underdeveloped inside. So we float those and then what we get is a really, really superior mix of cherries. And then these get either pulped for washed in honeys um, or they get onto the drying beds directly Mm -hmm. for naturals. But whatever we do, everything is going to be on raised African beds. So, we don't get the issue with um, too cats much moisture being kept or <laughs> cats, dogs, pigs, and whatever have you. That's right. Uh, so, what I'm trying to say with giving so much detail is since we start out with Katimor, which is not the most complex of yeah, beans, of all the varietals, okay. all the varietals uh, we have to take care of every single step in the path from the fertilization to the last step of, of processing to make sure that whatever is in that bean, we bring it out. Then yeah. we can get some amazing coffees. Yeah,
1: that's that's really, um, it's really exciting. I mean, I had no clue that this is happening in China <laughs> and <laughs> I, I tried Chinese Yunnan coffee, I should say, um, I think last uh, early on this year when uh, uh, James Gregg went to um, the cupping. Yeah. Um, and he brought some Chinese coffee with him, and they were really
2: probably amazing. Probably yours. Sir, that they were yeah. probably mine. <laughs> I were mostly
1: yours. And I was, I was like, wow, this is this is exciting. This is interesting. There's a lot of shift and changes yeah. in um, in 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 other uh, grown uh, coffee coffee grown countries. You know, it's not just focus on few of them that we normally buy from. So, how about like your job as being there? What is it like, let's say right now, a lot of us, especially young or especially uh, coffee, looking for transparency,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So how transparent is this transaction? If we're going to go to you and say, I would like to buy coffee from Coffee Commune, right? But I would like to know a bit more about the pricing structure. How does it all work? Funding, financing, right. all that sort of thing. If you don't tell us a little bit more, yeah, I sure. Mean, it's, it's not really
2: a marketing, but I'm just interested to know. <laughs> well, I think there's probably a step before that is that maybe Eric hasn't explained, you know, the traceability and the sustainability of what they yeah. do. And then that's probably a good segue into your question. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think yeah. I think if you go ahead and you know, I know there's a lot of question, Eric. We're sorry. Yeah.
2: You know, well, no, but,
0: but what David says, it's re- that really um, segues these, these things segway um, so The reason we're in this is to bring these farmers to a different level, to transform the community. So the starting point is that we know how they're living. Mm. We know these farmers. That's why we got into what we're doing now. So we, whichever farm we work with, someone in our organization is actually spending a considerable amount of their days every year with that farming family literally staying on the farm during the harvest season in particular, living with them. They know their names. They know what they eat. They know what issues they have. They know when and who is sick. And, and sometimes we bring them to the hospital. So it's a very intimate relationship that we have with the farmers okay. we work with. Now, as we grow, um, that will diminish a little bit because there's literally a thousand farms now that want to work with us. Wow. My limiting factor right now, is I need to know I can sell that coffee before I make that commitment to them, because the way it works is when they start working with us, they want to sell their cherries because that's what they're used to. They were not, they were not able to process their own coffee. So they had to sell it to someone who would process it. So now we work with them. The first step of collaboration is they say, we want to sell you our cherries. So we need to Take a leap of faith and say, all right, if they meet our requirements, think of the bracelets, (laughs) we will pay you twice the price that you normally get on the market. So there's a hovering price. Obviously, we double that because we know if we do from that moment on, we have superior cherries. If we do everything right, we will not have a commercial grade coffee. We will definitely have a specialty grade coffee. How good it's going to be? The cupping will reveal, but at least it's going to be a specialty grade coffee. So we know we can get a significantly better price in the market, provided I have a market. Yes. Once I have roasters that say I want that coffee, they are used to buying specialty grade coffees. They compare it to the right coffees because they know how to cup. I know we're going to get our money to be able to continue and work. Um, So it starts there. As they work with us longer, um, we encourage them to actually hold on to the coffee until we sell it for them. And then they have initially, immediately, they will have a bigger share of that profit range that we are hoping to generate. But either way, we work open book, so if anybody wants to have that level of information, that detail of information. We are very happy to share with any roasters that buy from us um, what is the cost structure to produce this coffee? Um, What does end up in this whole chain with the farmer? Um, We also generate uh, reports like annually. We give an accountability as to what projects we funded because we we make a pledge that out of What we have in the end as a company, the profits we generate at least 10% of that we plow back into specific projects to transform the farming communities Mm -hmm. and also inner city projects in Shanghai, because the cafes in Shanghai are also meant to transform lives. So we work with um, with young people that have difficulties in, in, the, in the society. Like yeah. young people that may have had a brush with the law or may have had a brush with addictions, um, somehow are outcast and like the coffee community is a very good place. Oh, it is, it's, it's very accepting. Yes. Um, no, nobody really asks like Support what did culture. you do? Right. I mean, yeah. out of interest, yeah. you ask, Hey, what did you do? But it's not a judgmental asking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we feel that's a that's a nice place to also try and make a difference. But I don't want to complicate matters for the benefit of this podcast. Our main thrust is to transform the farming communities. Okay.
1: Do you mind to tell me an example about pricing? So, if, if I want to come to you right. and say, I love this washed coffee, How? what, what is the right. requirement if I yeah, want to I, buy Yeah, you know, I can do that. What's going happen?
0: So, um, typically in, in Yunnan, um, the farmers, when they sell their cherries, um, they sell them for approximately 1.5 to 2 RMB. That's the Chinese currency per kilogram cherry. So how much um, that's about um, factor five to the austral dollar. Is it? Yeah. So that's, yeah, you divide that by five and you get austral dollars. No, 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 right? no. So it's 0.4 austral dollars per kilogram of cherry maximum.
1: 0.4, 0.4. 40, 40, cent. 40 cents, 40 cents per, per kilo of cherry is what they normally get on. The I'm market. calculating. So just let <laughs> <Right>. you So it's <laughs> so it's know. it's really
0: bad. And <laughs> wow. that's what that's what's the that's what they normally get. Um, on average, okay. there is the smallest of farmers. They get even less than that because yeah. they can't even sell it directly to a processor. There's yeah. intermediaries that make a cut in between. Yeah. Um, once that coffee gets transformed into green. The biggest buyer in Yunnan, biggest two buyers in Yunnan are Nestle and Starbucks. They have almost like tickers at their gates in, in Pu'er, So they have a daily price quotation that they buy for last year. The average was 15 RMB per kilogram of coffee. So you divide that by five. Three dollars. Right? $3 and that's what that's you get, green, right? right? And that, that's green. And, and that's just not enough. The farmers obviously are not participating in that in, 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 in that margin that is generated there because they are not able to process the coffee. Mm. So that's the first bit where, where we get into this equation. We let the farmers participate in that margin. So that is kind of our lowest point which I think I shared informally with you before. It's yeah. like the lowest point we can go because that's the market price there that the farmers themselves, the small farmers we work with, can't normally even get. They can't participate in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, as we are um, endeavoring to get really nice specialty ones like coffees that also have a bit of a character, something where you say like, Oh, this is different. This is Yunnan, right? This is going to get known as Yunnan." Yeah, yeah, yeah we are aspiring to get, and I'm trying to now speak in Australian terms, um, we're aspiring to get something like maybe $6 a kilo, mm-hmm. um, and then lay open exactly how much of that did we produce the green for? How much of that is needed for storage and freight to get it here? Um, and how much is left as a margin? And then what are we doing with that margin? We need, of course, as an enterprise, we need a little bit of that for ourselves to be able to do maintenance, to be able to pay our people, to be able to expand. Um, But in the end, we want to get to a a really um, continuous process of plowing the majority of those margins back into projects. Uh, I can cite one that we did uh, two years ago. Uh, one particular cluster of farms, 20 families in one ve- in one village, um, they didn't have um, sanitation at all. So they've lived in that cluster of of a village uh, for three generations already. All self-built houses, mud floor, yeah. no toilets, no showers, no running warm water, nothing. Wow. And they didn't even know that it was not normal for them to feel in their tummies the way they always felt in their tummies. (laughs) And so they were always low energy because they were always experiencing diarrhea. Yeah. And so we've partly funded this and partly we brought an NGO in who had funding themselves for projects like that. They came from abroad with young engineers, young people that were eager to help. And we built for every house. We built a, a little house like a toilet with a shower integrated. Um, and then from that day on, this village now has experienced a totally different quality of life because within a month, diarrhea stopped. Wow. Because they didn't go behind the bamboo anymore. Yeah. Uh, they were able to do proper hygiene because it was integrated with a shower and we had a like a rooftop uh, solar water heater. So yeah. they had warm water to do their personal hygiene. Um, and so suddenly the off water didn't mix with the fresh water anymore. And they it were become okay. a good life. Plus, we gave them um, clay based water filters. Yeah. So these are the kind of things that to us here. It's hard to imagine yeah. that yeah, things like that would be lacking. We just open the tap and out comes clean water that we can yeah. drink. Yeah. But out there, this is life changing and it doesn't cost a lot.
1: Because China, I mean, it's, it's definitely as an economy is on the rise. It's one of yeah. the most powerful economies, but there's still areas
2: where... It's particularly rural China where things are um, stagnant, I suppose, or, or, or stale, or, or not changing fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although technology has come there in the way of phones and television and radio and whatever, it yeah. hasn't translated to farming techniques and, and practices and so on. Yeah, wow. That's...
1: Um, and are these all information available on your website, or or is it only on request? Yeah,
0: no, it's it's, it's more and more is available. <laughs> I, I have to admit I've been so um, submerged in doing the work on the farms yeah. and, and getting this all off the ground that I have neglected the the social media way too long. Yeah, uh, somebody alerted me to that. <laughs> A good friend alerted me to that fairly recently. So we are now on Instagram. Um, yeah. Uh, handle coffee dot yeah uh, you can follow there a little bit um, we have a facebook page handle Yunnan coffee mm-hmm. just in in one word without any special signs yeah and we have a website um, coffee commune hyphen um, because you didn't mention coffee you. Hyphen commune. Okay. Com. but that website needs some work <laughs> yeah i know we need, we need to get on it man. i mean that's the
1: great information you're giving us uh today but i think I would really like people to follow up and i like the fact that you know you you guys produce reports i think reports are really important uh, you know and and telling people where's the money and and where everything is going and structure it and for for the new generation because you know there's more and more i mean we run a collective in here and we got all these new guys that's awesome you know like um uh, they want to be part of it um and they want to learn a lot more and um they want, they're willing to help, but they just right. don't know where to extract the information or right. where to get it from. I mean, uh, a few weeks ago, we had a cup of excellent uh, talk at PCP as well, and he was telling me that they don't only have the cup of excellent coffee, they do have another category, and you can access like how much the farmer is getting paid out of that um, kilo pricing mm-hmm. and, and really well structured. So, hopefully, that's something yeah. you know that you guys. Are tend to do as yes, well, because you are really going to help us mm-hmm. um, kind of um, a- adapt to, to the coffee, um, mm-hmm. especially from Yunnan, like I'm really impressed with it. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to cup my samples and to be at Golden Bean Award to, 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 to see it and see people reaction for it. Mm-hmm. That will be very interesting. Um, another thing as well, like you, we had a bit of a chat yesterday about WRC And and you guys, do you work together in a way Uh, you told me there were some new varietals? I mean, there's all these new hybrids coming out. Is this coming your way as well? Is that something you guys going to be investing in for the future?
0: Yes, it's coming our way. And like Coffee Commune, we are working um, very in close partnership, in very close partnership with the Yunnan International Coffee Exchange. So that is a body that was created by the province of Yunnan. Um, to raise the standards on a larger scale, like also the commercial grades after all, the majority of Yunnan coffees are still going to be commercial grades. Mm-hmm. Um, so they work very closely with, um, with the Institute, with, with WRC, uh, to bring in the correct varietals that would work, um, in the topography and with the soils, yeah. um, in Yunnan. So the selection process is ongoing. Um, the Union Coffee Exchange has ten has established ten model farms where gradually they are going to replace existing trees with the new varietals and see the comparative yields and all that. Any specific one that you guys are working? Well, with? we work with all of them actually because we are um, representing the Union Coffee Exchange exclusively for Europe. So I have access to all those coffees. If anybody were interested in in samples as they emerge also from new varietals, um, I would also be the contact point to be able to furnish those for anyone interested.
2: I think it's interesting to note too that YCE, which is what uh, Eric is talking about, indirectly through other intermediaries has already been selling coffee into Australia. Um, There's been a lot of larger chains here in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane that have been embracing the Yunnan coffees in recent years so quite a lot of tonnage is actually coming into some amazing blends where they uh, are using those for milk and certainly espresso blends here in Australia. Well Pablo and Rusty is one
1: of them. Yes
2: exactly right that's a big name right
1: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah
2: and uh, they've been working very closely not particularly with Eric but certainly other companies that are doing more commercial grade, um, coffees within Yunnan, But again, it's all part of this YCE, um, approach to Yunnan development. Yeah. Yeah. And, um,
1: and talking about the, um, mostly right now, um, how, how many of you in the company, it seems like there's, there's a lot of work that you are doing. You can't be by yourself, right?
0: No, I can't do that myself. (laughs) That would be awesome. That would mean I'm like, um, uh, an avenger or something like that. Someone with superpowers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now we, we are still a small group of people, though. So coffee commune itself, um, we are a bunch of not even 20 people, but the most of them are actually in Shanghai because we have two cafes. So you have the baristas, right, yeah, and, right. and the, the the shop managers. In Yunnan, I have three permanent staff apart from myself. What's their job? Is? And well, um, one is Mr. Zhu, who is like the head of all our union operations. He works with the farmers day in, day out. He works there all the time. He, he's an AST for um, much of the um, SCA curriculum, but mm-hmm. his focus is on the processing. So he really works day in, day out with the farmers. And then, um, we have, um, a couple of Americans and Canadians, uh, a total of three guys. Um, who've been long-term in Yunnan already by themselves, Um, they are now associated with us. So they still maintain their own entity Mm -hmm. on which they have their work visas. You have to have a visa to be allowed to work in China. Um, But they've decided to join the cause, to join Coffee Commune um, as associates Mm -hmm. Um, and together um, also with another associate in the US, um, Michael Ryan from Threadbare Coffee Um, He's also the director of coffee of Dapper and Wise there in Portland, Oregon. Um, We've launched an initiative called Project 86 Plus this year.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask.
0: And you're going to be part of it, right? Yeah, right. Um, So um, where we work with um, a select group of roasters worldwide around the globe uh, to send samples of microlots that we specifically uh, produce for this project with these small farms monitoring every little detail of how this coffee, this micro lot got to be Mm -hmm. sending out those samples, requesting them to be uh, roasted, cupped and reported on within a week of of arrival. And then because it's enough samples, we will statistically um, analyze this uh, result, these reports, and then tweak the processing so that within one harvest year, we can get two or three iterations of improving the coffee. So it's all about getting Yunnan Coffee to a higher level of quality to move down the learning curve faster yeah. with the help of the international specialty roasting community. Yeah. So
2: not knowing the scores for what you anticipate. Based on, Eric, I have seen some YCE cupping results already at 86, which are very few coffees. I know that. And we mentioned you know James Craig earlier and some of the other work that's happening for... Uh, Ted Lingle and SCA um, involvement in the YCE. How realistic is your target of actually hitting the project 86? How how close do you think you are?
1: Uh, Good well, question, David. Thanks.
2: Well, I, I know for a fact that last
0: season um, we had a couple of samples from our participating farms that already cupped above 84. Yes. Um, we were ourselves with one lot in the finals of last year's green competition wow. uh, in, in Yunnan. So we're already right up there with um, with some of the best in Yunnan. And I would like to mention also um, Tim, Tim Heinze yes, from Yunnan Tim Coffee Heinze. Traders here. They're doing Arnie amazing coffee. work and they are selling to Rusty, right? Yes, yes. Uh, here many to to, uh, to Australia. Um, I believe that this this year, the first year we're doing project 86 plus, I'm hoping that a few of the samples will hit it already. And I'm I'm hoping that within two years, the majority of the samples that even get into the project um, would be 86 or above so that we become actually a bit of a label where you can say, all right, if it if it is P86 plus coffee, it will have 86 points or or more. It's not just aspiring to it. This year, I think we we ought to be realistic and we're aspiring to it. And I'm hoping and praying that we're going to have a few lots that already make it this year. Yes. Uh, But two years out, I'm hoping that anything that's from that closer circle of farms that commit to follow the protocol to the last bit, that we're actually going to be able to guarantee This is going to be 86 plus coffee. And
1: what happened with the coffee? They're not 86. What do we do with it?
0: It needs to be sold. (laughs) But my my hope um, and theory is that as we establish a knowledge worldwide that there is Yunnan coffee, that's 86 plus that then there will be a, a pickup in demand for Yunnan coffee. Of course, an 86 plus comes at its cost. I mean, it doesn't matter then if it's from Yunnan or if it's from Guatemala or if it's from Ethiopia, if it's an 86 plus, it's an amazing coffee. Yeah. And so um, that will establish a whole different uh, range for Yunnan coffee in terms of pricing, which then should draw more coffee demand for specialty that's not 86 plus. Yeah. And that's a a whole lot more coffees that we're going to have of that quality that then we have a channel for and that also then hopefully brings um, the coffees from the Yunnan coffee exchange that that is a larger volume but still from very small many many small farms maybe at least to par with the New York C quotation because right now Yunnan commercial coffees are actually trading at a significant discount yeah, to C why below the Beca- sea. because of the traditional issues with Lack of consistency, hmm. too often off flavors that are not acceptable, yes. and the lack of an own character. I mean, they, they the closest on the on this uh, in comparison on the sea on the commercial
2: grade um, are are the Brazils yes to, to the Unites yes and and they mean, often have same catoab the same bean varietal.
0: And yeah, so right. oh. Brazil is so well established. Brazil has such a strong lobby.
1: Yeah.
0: When it. you have a coffee that's similar to that, people say, well, I'll, I'll buy Brazil.
1: Yeah. Okay. Or
0: you have to make it cheaper. So that's the situation, the dilemma yeah. for the Yunnan commercials. And where,
1: where the farmer get,
2: uh, you know, money elsewhere? Like, do they sell something else? Sometimes they-, they grow other crops and things and they have a lot wild stock and so on. But it's not every farm. Have, have you seen farms kind of like say, f that stuff,
1: I'm gonna go and make a macadamia farm or change it to uh, another You, to you
2: farm? have to listen to what Eric said earlier, Noah, that most of them are very small batch micro farms. They, they have less than three hectares, so it's not Eight a lot acres. of land. And there's a hell of a lot of them. There's a lot of these farms yeah. and they don't all collectively work together. They work against each other because they almost see each other as competition. So they are stuck in a sort of a time warp, you know, yeah. they, of, of, would, of poverty. And do, do you guys do like, would, would a regional blend help
1: those farmers to come together? Like, you know, when you go well, to... Well, I think YCE is Columbia, doing that with the commercial yeah.
2: grades.
0: Yeah, so the commercials get, get um, lumped together. Yes, um, and processed together. And processed together. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, I think we have a good situation thanks to YCE because um, everything gets cut. Okay. So we have a very good transparency as to what's coming in and you got all the numbers and we got the numbers. And so it's, it is feasible if you manage it right. And that's what's happening now. YCE is only in existence for four years. So the first two years of those four years, they were busy with establishing themselves. And the last two years, there was really an amazing improvement in terms of how crops that are coming in, lots that are coming in are being managed, um, how well they are cataloged so that now I'm confident as we start selling their coffees as well, um, it's it's very dependable to say, all right, these were the lots that were brought together into this whatever 20 ton, 200 ton, 1000 ton consignment commercial coffees. I'm talking here, right, um, that will then be even. Because the big issue always with, with Yunnan coffees was consistency. Yeah. yeah,
2: right. I think if you go back to what we were talking about as well is that, you know, we can talk all day about Yunnan and the, the 15 or so pro- little farming community areas within the province. Mm, so it's quite broken down. In fact, there's a, um, a lot of differences between each of those smaller regions, both, you know, geographically and altitude and, and soil quality, etc. As you would imagine, it's a quite a large area. Yeah. But um, it, it all comes together as Yunnan in, in the end. But having someone that can actually direct source and knows the farmer, has the sustainability, the traceability of that coffee, Whether it really is in some respects a micro line, Yeah. by default. Yeah, right. Uh, it's a limited quantity and it's from a direct farm. Yeah. But not trying to take anything away from what Eric is saying earlier, but you know when you go overseas, um, last year China was the host nation for the SCA event in, in Seattle, and it was the first year that a lot of American people, particularly coffee roasters, had the opportunity to really be exposed to Yunnan coffees. And from a lot of the cuppings that I went to, um, it was very clear to me that people's feedback was saying, oh, lots of potential. Um, really clean yeah. coffees. Yeah. Um, really nice florals and and certainly flavors that they weren't expecting to find in a, in a Yunnan coffee. Yeah. And I think it's because the, the area is, even though it's 126 years of farming already, it, it hasn't had this um, high level marketing and exposure to overseas markets as much as buyers like Starbucks and Nestle have been purchasing those coffees for a long, long time, but nobody knows that they're in their blends or their coffee f- for so many years. Yeah. Um, but coming back to what I saw at um, SCA in Seattle was that people generally were surprised, and people were certainly hopeful of what's going to come in the next couple of harvests from from there. Yeah. And what was really important was I think that people could taste and see that in the cup, yeah. and that's what I think gave me a lot of hope for Yunnan coffees, and not just the specialty coffees, but certainly the commercial, you know, 80 plus, 80, uh, 78 um capping scores were still quite clean yeah
1: yeah comparing to other places and are, are you willing to work with importers here like is that something you want to work with like someone local that could do all the logistics all the warehousing or how because i mean for small guys like us it's, it's quite uh, it's quite a, job. a direct import. <laughs> yes, yes,
2: you know i mean you getting customs clearance it's and a storage whole other world. yeah you it's know, a people other world. don't
1: know how hard is it to actually import yeah. coffee yeah.
0: well we'll take all the help we can get um what what i'm very discerning about is that anyone we work with needs to um subscribe to the same values to the same objective okay. um, so I, I can't really imagine us working with one of the very big importers um, I, I don't think we're that compatible, but I know there is um, quite a number of um, niche importers that are also emphasizing direct trade, that are emphasizing sustainability, that are emphasizing traceability, that have a genuine interest in um, in transforming farming communities. Those would be really nice partners for us. Okay. For Europe, um, we've established our own company there now to to import directly. Okay. So to to like keep the chain as simple yeah. as possible and so traceability and traceability yeah, absolutely. Um, completely there. Um,
2: I that might not work. D- I don't know if I really? can pull yeah. that off wow. for Australia wow. because I'm,
0: I'm I'm German. So for Europe, that works easy. You, um, should, you
1: should do something here because, you know, the Australian market could be I think the right dance partner. F- and, and Find me the right like partner and yeah, we're yeah, on. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we are as neutral as we can, unfortunately.
2: Yeah. And I think but what Eric, I'll Eric will see at the Golden Bean is that there are some large commercial roasters uh, and brands here in Australia that are direct importing. They're not solely direct importing, but they have the capability for that. So hopefully we'll meet some of those at Golden Bean.
1: Hopefully, I think uh, because, you know, I mean, financing those things is not easy Mm -hmm. and uh, we could simply just use them for logistics. Mm -hmm. Like if, let's say, I like a coffee from there, I'm going to say, hey, can I get a Mm -hmm. pallet of it? Do you Mm -hmm. think it's going to be a difficult? uh, LCM? Mm -hmm. LCM? You work with LCM? I don't know. They may. They may. do I I like Kyle. He's not a bad person. He's pretty cool. The the company is pretty good in in Melbourne.
0: So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to making some connections at the Golden Bean. And that's okay. that's um, why I'm here this yeah. time um, to learn a lot about how this market functions, what we need to offer to be able to solve the problems of the. Of, what if I want to come to you? Can I still do that? Come to me, visit us. In, uh, yeah, like, absolutely.
1: Or, or buy a pallet of yours. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean,
0: you, think you, you, you can you can order any quantity you want. I think pallets are very, um, very economical sizes because they're Relatively easy to handle also for mixed consignments.
2: Yeah, LCM. Yeah. Um,
0: I learned from my discussions in Europe and in the US, and I assume it's the same here. I'm going to have all these discussions yeah. this week. It's going to be fun. Um, that it helps a great deal to bring in a container and have it here, like a mixed container, not all the same quality, but have a couple of different varieties, uh, different lots on that container so that people can access it easily. So I'm looking to find a solution for that to bring in from the next harvest that is now just starting. The picking is just beginning now. So say um, five months from now, we could potentially have the first container sitting here somewhere uh, in a warehouse and um, waiting to be called off. Looking forward.
2: Well, well, I hope a lot of the listeners understand that, you know, China, although it's got a a long history in in growing and, and producing and processing, um, the tea quality that comes from the Yunnan the area is world well famous and people for 3,000 years have been committed to the quality and consistency of tea production. So coffee is flowing on from the same level of commitment and certainly as they get more educated and as an emerging origin um, it's quite exciting and I think the next few years are going to see some amazing coffees come from there. If you are looking for SOE, um, single origin coffees to put on your cafe menu um, that are something different, something unique, that have a story and full traceability. I think those things are really exciting. But equally, there are going to be, you know, commercial grade coffees available for adding to your um, complexity of your espresso blends or milk based coffees.
1: Perfect. Well, I'm going to wrap it up and I'll give the final word to Eric. What would you like To tell the Australian market, what do you want to see different this time now you're
0: here? Well, I can just say I'm very eager to learn what the roasters are looking for, and I'm hoping to make some connections this time um, on which we can build a relationship so that Australian coffee lovers can also experience some surprising Yunnan coffees. And maybe they can come and visit you at the farm. And, can, and yes. And you guys have... We very much you, welcome You that. can do uh,
1: tours and you can take people from Australia. We very
0: much have. welcome that, yes. All
1: right, we'll head to uh, Coffee Commune, I guess, and meet Eric and yeah. uh, be at the Golden Bean Award. And you can see all of us there, I guess. So, again, gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, Eric, for, thank you, Nora, for having conversation. us conversation. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. And um, we call it a day. Thank you. (laughs) Cheers, bye.